0: This is episode 120 of the Swallow Your Pride Podcast, and today's guest is Denise Rule. She is a graduate of California State University of Sacramento with her master's in speech pathology. She's worked with pediatrics and adults in a variety of settings, including outpatient, in-home, inpatient, acute rehab, and skilled nursing. Her primary focus for the last few years has been on assessment and treatment of dysphagia in the adult population in the inpatient and skilled nursing settings. She works part-time as an SLP at a local hospital, and she owns her own mobile fees business in Sacramento, the first in California. She has a passion for continual learning and personal growth, as those things are what have helped her to provide the best care for her patients and continued passion for the SLP field. Oh my goodness. I hope you guys love this episode. I love Denise. Um, she's amazing. She's One of those SLPs that I just love because she is just always questioning the status quo, going against the grain. Well, why can't we do things, questioning things? And I love that about her. And I just wish that was a quality that so many other SLPs would have when told no about doing something or, okay, well, then I'm going to advocate for a different service or advocate in a different way. So I really hope you guys love this episode with Denise Um, And I will just say, I um, am finally coming out of post-baby funk. I didn't really talk about this much, but I had a little girl back in November. And I think everybody has heard my stories of my struggles and my troubles with my son. So um, knowing that I was pregnant with another little girl, things were kind of, I was a little stressed out with that. So if you've emailed me or sent me a message and congratulated me and I didn't get back to you, I sincerely apologize. But thank you and I appreciate you checking in on me, and I think we're finally coming out of post-baby funk now, and I'm excited to get back into it. I've got a lot of wonderful interviews set up in the next few weeks for you guys for this podcast. And I think also since just having a baby, I feel like I've come to a rebirth also, and I'm really looking to change things up with this podcast this year we've been going at this thing for close to two and a half years now and not that it's played out by any means but there's definitely a lot of other topics that I want to touch on um so be on the lookout for kind of some new and different topics this year I'm just really looking forward and and I'm excited to change some things up and I hope you guys enjoy that so I really hope you enjoy this episode with denise uh, she's amazing and Um, She's someone that I helped to support to help her get her mobile fees business going, up and going in California. And you've probably heard forever that you can't do mobile fees in California. Well, Denise has been able to figure that out. So if you are someone that lives in California and you are interested in getting a mobile fees company set up, um, you can please email team at diagnostics.com And myself and Denise would be happy to support you in doing that. And so hopefully we can got some really good instrumentation going for our patients out there since that is such a large state. (laughs) Um, So yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to the rest of 2020. Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders, and I know firsthand how much confusing and conflicting information there is out there about how we assess and treat swallowing disorders. This podcast is all about bringing everyone together, getting on the same page, being open to new ideas, and using evidence-based treatment strategies for our patients with dysphagia. So let's get into it. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely.
1: Hello, Denise. Hi, Teresa. How are you? I'm doing well. Just busy on my supposed to be day off, but never really right. a day
0: off. <laughs> never really a day off. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. Happy to be here. All right. So tell the people a little bit about yourself. Uh, well,
1: my name is Denise. I'm a speech therapist in California. I work primarily in the acute care setting. Well, I work part-time in an acute care hospital setting, and then I own my own mobile fees business. So that takes up a lot of my time along with my 10 month old baby. Work, baby. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so where do you do
1: mobile fees, Denise? I do mobile fees in Sacramento, California and the surrounding areas. Okay. So the first first mobile fees in California. Yep. And we've got more coming.
0: Awesome. Yep. I was gonna say because I thought you couldn't do mobile fees in California. Oh yeah. A lot of people thought you couldn't do mobile fees in yes. California. All right. So what are we going to talk about today? Well,
1: I mostly just want to talk about kind of my journey to working in acute care and owning my mobile fees business and how along that journey, I learned a lot of lessons about kind of going against the grain, against the status quo and questioning what people told me the quote unquote rules were and just figuring things out for myself. I love it pushing through those obstacles. I love it. Yeah. All right. What do you want to start with? Uh well, I guess a lot of people ask about, you know, how I got into acute care and how you get acute care jobs. I know some people have discussed that before, but I thought I'd kind of share some of my journey because it has a lot to do with how I started my mobile fees. So I mean I never thought I would work in a hospital. I didn't like hospitals and someone told me, well if you don't do an internship, you're never gonna have the opportunity. So I did it and had an internship at an awesome university hospital and fell in love and never really looked back. And like a lot of other people, I had a CF in a skilled nursing facility and it just had a kind of a culture shock of the huge difference from working in a hospital to working in skilled nursing. And I love, I had some great coworkers and you know, a good boss, but I just really missed having that mentorship. And of course I did have a supervisor who was in another facility, 30, 45 minutes away, and but really was missing that close mentorship that I previously had working in a hospital with a bunch of different SLPs. So, you know, I think as a young SLP working by yourself in a skilled nursing facility, you, it's really easy to get, to fall into the practice of well this is just how my supervisor told me to do it or this is how everyone else does it and you accept that because you don't really know much better you know okay I'm just gonna watch people eat in the dining room and and that's what we do yep and you know that's kind of how I started and you know you look back cringing at kind of how you practice but once you figure it out and you know, you know, better, you do better. And that's what really makes the difference. But that's where I really started questioning going, Hmm, why am I doing this? Or, you know, is what I'm doing really impacting my patients? And is there something I can do better and make a better impact? And as I kind of started asking those questions, I, I did get pushback. And a lot of people just continued to tell me, well, you know, this is the way we've always done it. And you know, this is just kind of how it is, or when I'd asked about doing MBS's or sending a patient out, no, we don't do that. So I mean, I think about it all the time that I wish I had something like the collective <laughs> back then to really look for, because it was I didn't really know where to turn to find those mentors. So uh, I, what I did was I started to find my way to other areas, so I, I ended up leaving skilled nursing sometimes I wish I would have stuck it out and kind of, and just made more of an impact, but you know, it'll come, it comes full circle. And now I'm making my impact, I think in a different way, but yeah. So after having all that, asking the questions, looking, really looking for and craving that mentorship, I ended up finding my way into acute care. And I think people ask a lot, like, how did you get a job in acute care? How did you make that happen and it is challenging and it took a lot of work. I think being persistent is key and I was willing to move. I was willing to commute. I was willing to work per diem. And I know that isn't always easy for everyone and not something that everyone can do, but I think persistence is the biggest key. Uh, I applied to every job I could. I moved to San Francisco to get the job that I wanted. And finally found my way, you know, to a hospital where I could get that mentorship. And I actually, when I got my job at UCSF, I literally wandered around and found my way to the rehab department and knocked on a door and handed my resume to someone. (laughs) And and I was, it ended up being the outpatient department and the person who answered the door was a speech, just happened to be a speech therapist and she worked outpatient and inpatient and I handed her my resume and I said, I applied for the job, but I haven't heard anything. I don't know if your boss is available to talk to. And she said, well, you know, she doesn't really like drop-ins, but I'll give her your resume. And then she briefly looked at my resume and we had some people in common. So we made a connection. And then a week later, I got a call to be interviewed I love to it. Come in for an interview. Yeah. So <laughs> if it takes being a little
0: Stalkery, <laughs> right? Well, right. I mean, that's what I tell yeah. people. Like, you you never know, like who needs you. You know, I mean, they could say great, thanks, and that's it. Like, it, yeah,
1: sure, yeah. And I think so many times the your resume just gets lost in the shuffle and set aside because someone, you know, you didn't have the one keyword in your resume that ticked the box for for the recruiter. But yeah, I just do whatever if you really want it. you got to go for it and be persistent and just show up and make connections and, and meet people. Yeah. So I ended up get, getting a job at UCSF and that's where I f- really feel like I found my, my niche and my mentorship that I wanted. And I left behind some other things, some pediatric care, cause I was doing that for a while and really thought that that's what I wanted to do for a long time. I think I told Casey Lewis that I want to be her when I grow up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I always said maybe in the future I'll I'll go back to the peeds and Nikki stuff. And yeah, yeah. She
0: inspires me. I know. To She's want to wonderful. I know. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I finally made it to acute care by being persistent, and then just grew so much, learning so much in the acute setting. And I think I had a a few aha moments, but kind of my biggest was when, well, I'll, I guess I could talk about, can I talk about my, um, my paper in the middle,
0: <laughs> my, yeah, my change, talk about whatever you want. Yeah.
1: My big kind of aha moment that changed things. Well, I had Dan Weinstein who came on as my supervisor and he really, all those kind of questions that I had about what are we really doing? What's the impact that we're making and what's like kind of best practice. He, really helped open my eyes and answered so many of those questions for me. And just working at a university hospital, I had so many educational opportunities and we had courses like ENS's course on critical thinking and dysphagia management and her work in normal swallow, normal swallow function that really changed my idea and perception of, you know, how to treat dysphagia. And then I was able to start getting mentorship and fees and took, and we hosted a more basic fees course, which I think, which fees just changed everything I thought about dysphagia and just made me see everything in a different light. I think it changed the way I literally, yeah, <laughs> literally, literally, yeah. I, it changed the way I I did my bedside evaluations. It changed the way I saw MBSs and it just changed the way I thought about how I would treat my patients. Or if I was always, if I was missing something, if I did an MBS and I thought I might be missing something, you know, and I could see it better via fees or other way around. And I was so thankful to be in this place where I had resource and access to, you know, all the testing that I wanted where everyone was really supportive of each other and able to make that happen. So, so yeah, I just loved getting access to all that and how that really kind of changed, changed my outlook on how I saw my patients. Awesome. Anyway, so after I, after I became competent in fees and really you know saw how much it changed my practice, I really started thinking about how More people needed access to this, and how I wish I would have had this as you know a SLP in the skilled nursing setting. And I just thought, is anyone doing this? Is is this a thing? Is this like I'd heard about mobile MBS, and that that was a possibility, but I didn't see that in California. And then I found, and, and then I found out that lots of people do it all over the place. And I found you and your blogs and. Thought that oh this could really be, you know, something that we do. And when I reached out to you, that's when you were starting your course, and I was just so lucky to find that. And then people started telling me, "Oh no, I don't think you can do that in California. That's not allowed. That's illegal." And I was just like, "What? What do you mean? Like that's not possible? Like I do this every day, multiple times a day in the hospital." why would I not be able to do it in another medical setting? It just kind of baffled me that that was, I think. So I started to do my own digging and research and I you know, started to read the laws and go, oh yeah, this is like some, there are kind of somewhat restrictive and there were concerns. But when I spoke to you, I know you did, you said something, I think the option was, well, you can maybe work with ENTs and do it that way. And I said, great, whatever way I have to make happen, I'll do it. I don't, whether that's, you know, teaming with a doctor, teaming with an ENT, I'm going to make it happen. And I just, I think you were the first person that said, well, you can, maybe you can do it. This is just, it might be a little, look a little different. And so I said, okay. And just took one person saying, yeah, I think you can do this for me to say, okay, I
0: will. Yeah. And I, if someone tells me I can't do something, I'm always going to figure out how to do it. So, yeah. oh, yeah. I think yeah. That,
1: that just made, yeah. And I even had family members who, like, you know, aren't in the medical field, but they're like, well, you don't want to be the first person to do it in California. Heck yeah, I do. I was like, why not? <laughs> what do you mean? You're like, you never want to yeah. be the first person to do something. And I was like, of course you do. Of course you wouldn't be the first person to do it. So, I mean, it scared me, but I think it just lit a fire under me to figure out like, this is something that is so needed. And so, yeah, I think that is so needed for SLPs and patients all over.
0: Do you want to elaborate a little bit, Denise, on, on what it is that people think you can't do? Like, what does the law say that scares people away from doing it.
1: Well, I think the first part is just getting competency in fees. And it that is pretty straightforward. It talks about getting at least 25 passes and being signed off by an ENT. And so that is a major challenge. That's doable, but it is a major challenge to people who don't have regular ENTs that they work with or access to people who, you know, do fees on a regular basis to get mentorship. So, that's really the first hurdle is to become competent. And I think that, the. I mean, it's not an unreasonable thing to ask for appropriate mentorship and fees. I think that's totally appropriate, but it is hard to find an ENT. And I was lucky enough to work in a setting where we had access to the fees and had a close relationship with ENTs. So, but I think now there are a lot more options where people, you know, you can have people come to you or you can go to other people in other States. It doesn't You don't have to be limited to California. You can go find a mentor and get competency. There's lots of fees providers all over. I think
0: that's a, yeah, that's a big, that's a, that's a big piece too, is that I keep hearing in other States, it'll say like, you have to be signed off by an ENT, but it doesn't say that it has to be the EN, it doesn't say that it has to be ENT in your state.
1: Well, I think it just says, I can look to make sure, but I'm pretty, it doesn't say anything about California. It just says you have to be certified or not certified, but deemed competent by an ENT, an otolaryngologist who is certified by the American board of otolaryngology or whatever yeah. that is. So,
0: yeah. Cause I think there's two other States too. I can't think off the top of my head, what States mm-hmm. they are, but it says the same thing that they have to be signed off on by an ENT. And so I was talking yeah. to a few people and they're like, well, I can't find anybody in my state. And I'm like, well, how about there's i know a few ENT's in other states and they're like well i can't go to that other state and i was like why can't you like there's nothing that says it has to yeah. be you know a california licensed ENT it just says an ENT certified like you said right. by by the, yeah, the
1: by so. the board yeah i was talking to someone too i think in who has said, you know, how did you do it in California? Cause it said they had to be signed off by ENT. And I said, if you know anyone who has a really good relationship with an ENT, who's willing to work with you, you just got to be able to go out there and find it and do that. Like uh, at my hospital right now that I work at, we got approval for to start a fees program. And so, and we don't have our, the ENTs at our hospital are contracted. So we have to, build a relationship and talk with them about our program and what we're doing and figure out a way for them to come and, and sign us off once we, once I train other people. So yeah, I just think you gotta, you gotta be creative and just kind of think outside the box and say, and just not look at something and say, Oh, I can't do that. I don't. I don't have the tools to do that. Well, you can go out and you can find the tools and make it happen. Find the
0: tools. Absolutely.
1: Um, so yeah. that's the first thing yeah. is getting competency, um, which you know, is, might be a challenge anywhere. Cause you got to find someone with the equipment and whatnot. But the second thing is people think that you have to have, there is talk about having a doctor present and having a physician present or a surgeon present and, and talking about having emergency protocols in place. And, but really people read it and think it's black and white, but it's not, it's really vague. And when you actually look at, you know, when I had my attorney and I worked with an attorney to get these things sorted out, they actually look at the intent behind the laws and what, what it is that, what it is that it, they really mean by it. And it's not like you know, everything we do as a speech therapist is, you know, supported by a physician typically, but we don't have physicians standing over our shoulders watching what we do. So it's more just about kind of general supervision and not direct right there immediately. Direct. You know. Yeah. Now, whatever medical setting you are, you have nurses and protocols in place to keep the patient safe. And I mean, the truth is fees is really People who don't do fees think that fees is scary. And when you do fees on a regular basis, it's not at all. And, you know, I think there's just such a rarity that something would happen. And I've done hundreds of them and
0: never had anything scary happen. Awesome. Well, I just, I I like, I don't even like have the words to say, like, I just love your attitude about this, Denise, because it's like just so me, but I, I just, how did you, you know, you just thought I'm going to figure this out and you just sought out this attorney and had them read the laws and things. Is that really just kind of how you went about it? Yeah.
1: That's really how I just, I found someone who would work with me to just, to help me start the foundations of business, just general stuff. And then I said, I have this other, and he actually had worked with a couple of speech therapists before who have like private practices. And so he was somewhat familiar. And then, yeah, I just said, there's these tricky laws. And, you know, they're really vague and I just want to know what, like, truly what they mean and what, you know, what I can and can't do. And the hard thing about laws is that, you know, you may, maybe some laws are black and white, but really you can have five different attorneys read one law and they could read it five different ways. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's about, you know, it's kind of like, like evidence-based practice. You take all your things, you take your clinical judgment, you take some guidelines that ASHA and, you know, the professionals put out to say, this is what you should do to be a good therapist. And, you know, you use your evidence, you use some of the laws and you kind of make a good clinical decision that you think is best. And so it's just because the laws aren't straightforward, you kind of have to take a little bit of it and also Take a little bit of a risk and yeah, just jump in <laughs> and do what you think is, yeah. is is best and safest. And we do have protocols in place wherever I at all the facilities that I'm at. So
0: I, I love to hear like the story of like when you called the lawyer and you're like, I wanna do this, like can you look up, you know, these laws? Was it something like, you know, they, he was super excited to dive in and, and help you figure it all out? I think at first he I think at first he didn't really know
1: what he's getting into. Because now he has a bunch of speech therapists calling him asking, (laughs) what should they do? But I think over time, and doing the research and hearing my story and my passion about what these patients need, and he's like, oh, wow, I had no idea that speech therapists do this and that you help with this. Like, of course, patients need this. Like, why aren't people getting access to this? And now, from working with me, he is very passionate about it. And yeah. And he's even, you know, we've even talked about working with, you know, the lawmakers in California and trying to help change the laws and seeing what he might propose as as some different laws to being a little bit more clear so people aren't so afraid to pursue this, not just mobile fees, but just in any setting. Even people in hospitals and are just they don't know what to do and they're scared. So yeah, so now he is passionate and we're hopefully working You know, I've been in talks with Susan Langmore about talking with the legislatures about changing it, but that's a big project and takes some time. But yeah, we're working on changing it. Awesome. Yeah,
0: Denise, you spearheaded all this.
1: (laughs) I love it. Well, Susan's changed the laws once, and they tried. Their intention of changing the laws was to to actually be more helpful and. And it was in some ways, but it's still just not clear enough. Not crystal clear. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause I know like, if you talk to her, she'll say like, oh yes, you can do it. It is clear, but it's clear as much.
1: Yeah. The, yeah, the intent was, and when you really look into it, the intention was to be on the speech therapist side to say, Hey, we want you to be doing fees and this is how you can do it. But it, it doesn't come across that way when you first read it. So hopefully we'll, we'll get to a point where it is here.
0: Yes, yeah. As yeah. Awesome. All right. What else you want to
1: chat about? I, I just want to encourage people that I started in skilled nursing and I think that, you know, and I wasn't happy there because I didn't have, you know, the mentorship and support that I wanted. And so I pursued working in acute care settings and other, but I do want to encourage people that they can do more for their patients and they can feel about better about the care that they provide at any level of care that you don't have to leave skilled nursing to be happy and to be fulfilled you know i did feel that way at one point but now i feel like there's so many more resources out there for people who you know want to support you and want to help you and patients at every level of care deserve the best it shouldn't be that once you leave one setting that you get A different type of care because of the setting that you're in, and so you know that was one of my passions of bringing easier access to instrumentals to SLPs and patients and in skilled nursing and hopefully more settings. But I just think that you have to. The people are out there and willing to support you. You just have to ask, and you have to be willing to not accept not accept no for an answer and when someone tells you, you know, this is how we've been doing it for 20 years. That's how we're doing it. Just just know that if your gut is telling you this isn't right, then your gut's probably right and you pursue more a second opinion. And so I really hope that I can bring bring that to more people. And that's what I don't know. It's just a pet peeve of mine when people say that they're old school and they have like pride in bring being old school I just am like why like would you want to go to a doctor or a surgeon who's like oh I'm old school I do the same surgery I did 20 years ago no you probably wouldn't want that I'm like that's what excites me about being in the medical field is that you there's like a never-ending amount of things to learn which can be overwhelming but I think it's so exciting
0: that there's always it is what's exciting, especially I mean in this day and age there's so much new technology and we have yeah so much more research coming out yeah it's yeah. it's so cool it's so cool to keep learning
1: yeah that's what excites me and what's really keeps me passionate about about the field in general yeah I just wish ever I just want everyone to have that like excitement I think you're doing a great job of providing those opportunities for people to through the collective and different in different ways that well, thank you. people can continue to feel passionate about the field with support and new information. Well,
0: thank you. And I, I think that's what I, I mean, nothing I do is conventional. So I always just love to go against the grain, but I think what you said is exactly it. It's like, well, the patient needs this, but because you've always done it this way, you're not going to give the patient that opportunity to have access to this you know, so I love, I love that you just kept knocking on doors and saying, well, why, well, why, well, I'm going to figure this out because it's for the benefit of the patient. Like who cares if this is how we've always done things, things evolve. There's gotta be a way that we can make this happen for these people here in California. So I just love that.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. And so hopefully we have more people all over California coming and Bringing even more access to it. So
0: I love it. Yeah. All right. You have any final thoughts? Anything else you want to cover?
1: Is there any other questions you have? I don't know if I covered enough.
0: I don't think so. And this was great. Okay. Good. All right. Well thank you so much, Denise. I, I love talking with you. Oh, you're welcome. It's good to see you. And I'm so proud of you and everybody in California should be so proud of you.
1: Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you for all your support yes. and mentorship along the way. Yes. All right. Thank you. Okay. Talk to you soon.
0: So if you would love to hear more of these episodes and get some easily digestible bites of swallowing knowledge, then please leave a review on iTunes or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash swallow your pride because that is what keeps these episodes coming.